Ready? Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and went down to Joppa. And he found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare thereof, and went down into it, to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Father, I pray that you bless the reading of your word. I pray that you help us to not run from you, but to run to you. Lord, I pray that you would give us uh, insight here this morning. I pray for each and every uh, home, uh, also each and every individual, because you care about us on that level. And so, Lord, we know that uh, you have a better understanding of what our life uh, should be than we could ever. And, uh, Lord, you know our potential. And, uh, Lord, you created us. You know our frame. You made us with the, uh, with the weaknesses. You made us with all of the uh, strengths. You, you have designed us for a special task. Uh, just like Jonah, he was created, uh, he was born with a special task. And, uh, Lord, I pray that you help us to not run from what we were created to do. And that's to worship you and to serve you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Please be seated. When God told Jonah to go to Nineveh, which was a great city, uh, He shows us, God shows us that He is the God who cares about missions. We're going to be having a missions conference in just a few weeks. But God is the God of missions. He cares not just about Jewish people. Those are His chosen people. But He cares about the whole world. Do you see that? I I, I noticed that. He said, verse number 2, he said, go to Nineveh. Here's a prophet, a prophet to Israel, and he tells them to leave Israel and go to this other place, this place of wickedness, a place that was uh, persecuting Jewish people, was persecutor of Israel, an enemy of God's people. And he says to go, and he said to cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. And the point of crying against it was to not just rail, was not to uh, condemn, but to call them to repentance, to call them to salvation. Many Christians today, unfortunately, have misunderstood God's great commission. Our great commission that we have been given five times in the Bible All of the Gospels in the book of Acts, five different times, Jesus tells us to go into all the world and preach the Gospel. Some Christians have confused that. They think that our job is to go and to condemn the world in their sin. We're supposed to follow Jesus' pattern. Jesus said, as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. And so Jesus did not come to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And so we are called to preach the gospel, to bring the good news, the message of salvation, because all men are sinners. And so God has called all men to repentance. Sad to say, my friend, that not all people will be saved. Why? It's not God's choice. That's man's choice. It's man's doing. Uh, we, We ultimately... Uh, we get to choose whether we receive or reject the gospel. 
So the theme of Jonah here is the God of the Hebrews has concern for the whole world. I suppose one of the greatest missionary messages in the Old Testament is right here in the book of Jonah. Jonah was a man of God. He was a prophet, but he was a prophet to his own people. He loved his own people. He loved his home, but he had nothing but contempt and nothing but hatred for the Ninevites. It was because of their wickedness, and he really had no desire to preach to these people. He didn't think they deserved to be saved from their sin. And he wanted God to judge them. And it's sad to think that his, one of the reasons that he ran from the presence of the Lord, I believe, is because he was afraid that God was actually going to deliver them from their sin and that these people were going to actually repent. Jonah runs from God. And there's two basic reasons usually why we run from uh, God's presence. Number one, either... We have done something wrong, as in the case of Adam and Eve. Where did they run from? They ran from God's presence because they had sinned. Or people run from the presence of God because he is telling them to do something good. And as in the case of Jonah, God said to Jonah, he says, go. But Jonah didn't want to go. And he said... uh, that uh, uh, he didn't want to uh, go and preach the gospel to these people and go and re- preach repentance and cry into the city. And uh, uh, sad to say, uh, many people don't want to go where God has called them. This is not a foreign concept, my friend. This is not something that, uh, you know, we've never heard of before. Many people run for God. And I dare say that most Christians at some point will uh, run from God's calling. And so it's good that we talk about this. Uh, And I want you to understand that Jonah didn't get in trouble from God because he, he went to Nineveh. It's because he didn't go. He didn't get in trouble because he went, but because he didn't go. And some people are afraid to do the will of God. They think they're going to experience danger if they go to the mission field, if they're called to missions. Or they're they're afraid that they're going to have to give up something. They're going to have to uh, sacrifice. They're going to have to, uh, you know, be hindered and encumbered in some way. They're going to have to uh, make some, uh, you know, give up something. And they're afraid of that. But my friend, if you're a believer, if you're a born-again Christian, God has a calling on your life, and you're not going to get in trouble for doing what God says, but you're going to get in trouble if you don't do what God says. You may say, well, God's not very nice. Well, God is the one who owns us. He bought us. We talked about that last week. We're bought with a price, and, and he's allowed to do whatever he wants. If he wants us to do something, we need to just do it. Don't fight God. Uh... The safest place to be, the safest place to be is in the middle of God's will. Well, the devil wants us to think that that's the, way, the last, the worst, the, the, the very uh, last place that you want to go is in the, uh, it's right to the middle of God's will. But that's where we need to be. Verse number four, verse number four, uh, the Bible says, but the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea. <laughs> 
Uh, you know, Jonah thought he could flee from the presence of the Lord, but God had a, another plan. And uh, if we run from God, he will chastise us. He'll bring us back to where we can do what's right. And uh, we need to be brought to that repentance. And that's what he's doing here with Jonah. Before he could do a work through Jonah, he had to do a work in Jonah's life. And so we see here, the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid. And cried every man unto his God, and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. You know, uh, there's, I don't believe there's any such thing as a true atheist. I was reading something this week. There's like six different types of atheists. Non-theists, you know, all the different things. But there, I don't think there is such a thing as an atheist. There are people that don't want to believe in God. But I don't think there is such a thing as a true atheist. As they say, there are no atheists in foxholes, okay? And when you are, uh, you know, in that kind of situation, uh, your perspective changes a little bit. And these guys, and, and I'm not saying that any of them were atheists, but they were obviously, they had gods, and so they start calling out to their gods, and, and they're asking their gods to deliver them from the storm, because uh, even though these guys were probably experienced uh, sailors, they knew this was a bad one. This was the one. You know, this is going to end it for them. And so they tried to lighten, lighten the ship of, of, its, uh, of its wares, but Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and he was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him. And by the way, God called Jonah to Nineveh. And Tarshish was the opposite direction of where he had called him to go. He was supposed to go west, and he instead went east. But that doesn't matter. God saw him in the middle of that ship, in the bottom of the ship. And uh, he was sleeping. God knew where he was, and he knew how to get a hold of him. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God. If so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. And they said every one to his fellow, Come and let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. Then they said unto him, Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us. What is thine occupation? And whence comest thou? What is thy country? And of what people art thou? Nothing like God using pagans to bring conviction. Amen. And uh, verse number nine. And he said unto them, I am in Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and dry land. Then were the men exceedingly afraid, and they said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. You know, I've known a lot of Christians that are seemingly clueless about God's presence and God's calling in their life because they've been running from God. They are... They have shut off the conviction of the Holy Spirit. They have quenched the Spirit so much that they don't have any direction in their life. I don't know where you're at today, but maybe you feel like you're wandering around. And it doesn't mean that you're necessarily running from the Lord. And I hope that you would just get into the Word and and spend time with the Lord today and say, Lord, help me to have direction in my life. Help me to know exactly your will for today. We may not know the next step. We might not know, we definitely probably will not know five, ten years from now. Because the Lord could come back today. 
But you can know that you are in God's will today. And so do not wander aimlessly. And so many Christians, sad to say, are like that. They don't have a clue where they're going. But I'm going to tell you this. There are people that, are, 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 that, that really know that uh, they, they might not be saved, but they say, you know what? You're not doing right. You're not living. If you say you're a Christian, you're not living like a Christian. You know, it's interesting how that the world, how un- unbelievers, unsaved people, uh, they many times, of course, they're not doing what's right, but they know that we're, we're not doing right, and they know what we should be doing, and they're not afraid to tell us sometimes, aren't they? And, uh, and they can bring some conviction. And so the Bible says here in verse number, uh, verse number 11, Then said they unto him, What shall we do unto thee, that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea wrought and was tempestuous. And he said unto them, Take me up and cast me forth into the sea. So shall the sea be calm unto you. For I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to, to the land, but they could not. See, they were men that they didn't want to throw him into the, into the, uh, the, the sea. They didn't want to... Uh, cast him off because uh, they thought that, uh, you know, that, that, that would be the last resort. Uh, but the sea rotten was tempestuous against them. They weren't making any headway. So verse 14, wherefore they cried unto the Lord and they said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life. And lay not upon us innocent blood. For thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. So they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. You know, this is why God allows things into our life sometimes. And even as God is bringing his children back into fellowship with him, God is getting the glory, as we see right here, that God is glorified in the situation. And that's what it's all about. Don't believe it when when the preacher says, the only reason that God blesses us is so that we can have a nice life and we can enjoy things and we can uh, just have success and we can uh, just, you know, we, we just, it's all about us. No, my friend, the only reason that God ever blesses us is that he might be glorified. So keep that in perspective. Keep that in mind. But the Bible says that they feared the Lord and they made a sacrifice to, to God. In verse 17, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Some people have searched high and low to find out if this was a fish or a whale, if there's a fish big enough to swallow a man and keep him alive. I heard about a Christian lady that uh, had done a lot of traveling for a business, and she was on an airplane. And uh, flying made her nervous, so she took out her Bible. And uh, she uh, thought that was going to help her relax, so she started reading the Bible. And one time as she was doing this, a man was sitting next to her, and as uh, he saw her pull out her Bible, he... uh, turned to her and asked, you don't really believe all of the the stuff in that Bible, do you? And the lady said, of course I do. It's the Bible. This is God's Word. He said, what about the guy that was swallowed by a whale? 
And she, she said, oh, oh, Jonah, yes, well, I believe that. It's in the Bible. He said, well, how do you suppose, suppose he survived inside of that whale? And the lady said, well, I don't really know. I guess when I get to heaven, I'll ask him. <laughs> and then the man said, what if he isn't in heaven? He thought he had her here. He asked her sarcastically, what if he isn't in heaven? Then she said, well, then you can ask him. <laughs> I don't know if that was a true story, but... Uh, theologians for centuries have been debating this. They've been trying to figure out whether or not this is a literal story or a parable, whether it could happen, whether it could not have happened. But in 1899, uh, a whaling ship called the Star of the East uh, was off the Falklands, and they were trying to capture a whale, as uh, whaling ships were known to do, right? And they harpooned this whale, and in the midst of all of this, this whale uh, was fighting the sailors and these men, these, these whalers, and they, uh, the, 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 the whale uh, splashed his tail, and they uh, were capsized, and a couple of the men uh, that went overboard, one was rescued, uh, or, or the, the, the boat that they were in that capsized, and one was rescued out of the sea, and one was actually swallowed by that whale. And they couldn't, uh, they couldn't get the whale that they were harpooning, they couldn't get it onto the ship, so they uh, began to take it apart, as this man was inside of this whale, 1899, as you can imagine, this is all going on. And they, they, they start to take their... Um, Shovels and their axes, and they removed the blubber from the whale. And they finally came to the stomach and they hoisted the stomach onto the ship. And they saw movement inside the stomach of that whale, and they cut it open. And there was that man that had been swallowed, he was doubled up and he was unconscious, but he was alive. I know of two other similar stories. One actually happened in 2019. Uh, off the coast of South Africa. And it's not impossible at all. Uh, why not just believe what the Bible says, okay? And I believe it happened. I believe it was literally uh, something that happened, just as it's written right here. I heard about uh, Clarence Darrow and William Jennings Bryan. So you remember the, the monkey trial, the Scopes trial? Clarence Darrow was a gifted lawyer, and he tried to confuse William Jennings Bryant who was an ardent Christian, by asking him the question, hoping that he would make a fool of himself. He said, well, you believe all of the Bible? And William Jennings Bryant said, I certainly do. He said, you believe that story about Jonah and the whale? And he said, I certainly do. He said, do you believe that Jonah swallowed the whale? <laughs> hoping he would say, I certainly do. But listening carefully, he said, no, I don't believe that Jonah swallowed the whale. I believe that the whale swallowed Jonah. But he said, I want you to know if the Bible said that Jonah swallowed the whale, I would have to believe it. Amen. I don't know whether God is calling you to be a foreign missionary. And, uh, you know, quite frankly, that's not the question I'm asking necessarily. That's not what I'm asking this morning. I'm not asking if God is calling you to something. Of course, you need to talk to the Lord about that. Ask God, what is your will for me today? And if you do God's will every single day, if you are seeking His will every single day, He will direct you as to where He has called you. But the question I have today is, are you willing if He calls you? That's the right question. 
And that's how you get the answer to the other question. Is he calling me? Is he calling you? No, the question should be, am I willing to go? Am I willing if he calls me? If he calls you, are you willing? You might be saying, well, God's not calling me to the mission field because I'm 80 years old. That might be you this morning. You might say, I'm too old. I'm, I, I'm in my 80s. I'm in my 70s. I'm in my 60s. And I, you know, it's not time uh, now for me to consider going to the mission field, but that's not the question. The question is, are you willing if he calls you? If you are willing, that will help you to find God's will for today. Uh, you might say, well, I'm, I, I'm not called. God's not calling me because I don't have the right education. I didn't go to Bible college, you might say. That's not the question. The question is, are you willing if he calls you? You cannot answer anything else until you answer that question. It's hard to run away from God when God is everywhere. You're eventually going to run into him. And even though Jonah might have understood theologically that God is everywhere and you can't run from God... He did go in the opposite direction of where God had told him to go. And guess what? God was even in Tarshish. And he was even in the, the sea. He was in that boat. And he was, he was preparing, as the Bible says, he prepared a whale to deal with jo Jonah. We'll get into chapter 2. There's four chapters here in the book of Jonah. There's more, more to the story, and there's a lot of ups and downs. It's interesting, uh, the different perspectives that we'll see here in the book of Jonah. But uh, just remember, if you run from God, the return trip is not always very comfortable. I'm not sure if he got as much rest in the whale as he did in the boat running away from God. And he eventually had to do what God had called him to do. He was not uh, necessarily happy about it. He was not necessarily uh, in the right spirit at times. But God still got what he wanted. And God always gets what he wants. When it comes to us as Christians, he's going to deal with us one way or another. If you're, if you're here this morning, you're saying, well, I, I, don't, want, I, I don't want to uh, do that, but I'll do these other things over here. And that will, that will um, you know, of course, make God happy because I'm doing a lot of things. Um, you might be, this morning, uh, God is telling you to go soul winning. But instead you're saying, well, I'm going to go and clean the church and I'm going, to, um, I'm going to volunteer for all of these other ministries, but I can't do that because God didn't give me that gift. I'm going to say for, for this area of soul winning, when we're doing evangelism and outreach, and it doesn't necessarily have to be Saturday morning at 10 o'clock. And I always like to say that because many times our schedules don't always work with 10 o'clock. And we should have a lifestyle of soul winning. Uh, uh, it's just a, uh, it should uh, come out of us. It should flow out of us. Wherever we are, we should be sharing Christ. But you might be saying, you know, I, I can't do that because that's not my gifting. But it's not an area of gifting. It's an area of obedience because not everyone, uh, not everyone can sing. Not everyone should sing. 
not everyone uh, maybe can teach. Maybe not everyone should teach. But everyone should be a soul winner. You might be saying, well, you know, I'll go soul winning, but I'm not going to teach. And maybe God called you to teach. We know he called you to go soul winning, but in addition to that, God has some other things that he wants us to do. Maybe it's talking to uh, a particular neighbor or a particular family member, and you're going to talk to everyone else in the city, but you're going to avoid that one person that you say, I will not talk to that person. Maybe it's a certain people group. Maybe it's a certain region. You'd say, ah, I will never go there. I, you know, I made that mistake. Back in 2010, I went down to visit my brother-in-law in Corpus Christi, Texas. And I didn't say it to him, but he's past, he pastored down there for over 10 years. And I said in my heart, because I was getting ready to graduate from Bible college, I said, I will never come to this city. It's too hot down here. And the culture's different. Texas is nothing like Milwaukee. Corpus Christi is nothing like Milwaukee. And, uh, and I'm not trying to be offensive to anyone, but, you know, it's different. Everywhere you go in the country, there's differences. You know, we have different regions. I'm so thankful to live in such a diverse country. But that doesn't mean I'm comfortable everywhere I go. But God can change your heart. And God can move in your heart. And sometimes the way that God changes our heart is by putting us in places that are not very comfortable for us. He put me in Corpus Christi, Texas, not two years after I said, I will never go. I think it was like June of 2010. I, I've, I'm never coming here. In April or May of 2012, God moved my wife and I to Corpus Christi, Texas, and we sojourned there for two years. We worked in that ministry, and God, God blessed our ministry, and we were thankful to do that. And we learned a lot. But one of the things that I learned in addition to uh, working under somebody else and working under Pastor Jason Atwood and working in that ministry, I learned that you don't tell God what he's not going to make me do, okay? Don't tell God, I'm never going to because it never works out the way you think it will. Don't run from God. Uh, be willing to do whatever he calls you to do. Because God, God has so much in store for us. But many times we never see it because we're too busy running away from him. In a sense, we're just chasing our tails. We go in circles, don't we? Kind of like the children of Israel wandering in the wilderness. Because we didn't step out at Kadesh Barnea and say, God, I'm just going to do what you've called me to do. It's going to require faith. It's not going to make sense. It's not going to be fun necessarily at first. It's not going to be what I want to do. But you just have to take those steps of faith. And God wants to do something wonderful. And don't miss out on all that it is because your potential is great. You might be 80 years old. You might be 70 years old. You might be 10 years old. You might be 15. I don't think we have any 10-year-olds in here, but you might be 15 years old. And you might be saying, well, I can't and I, because of this reason or that reason. And there's no way. There's no humanly way possible. But my friend, God doesn't deal with the possible. He deals in the impossible. And he doesn't call the equipped. 
Sometimes you think, well, I don't have all the equipping. I don't have all the talent. I don't have all of the gifts. I don't have all of the, 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 the academics down. I don't have the degree. God doesn't always call the equipped. He equips the called. So just step out in faith. Give it to God. You can witness to that family member. We're coming up on Thanksgiving and Christmas. And uh, this is the time of year where many times families do get together. And your family might not know the Lord Jesus Christ. You might be saying, Pastor, you know that for sure. That my family doesn't know Jesus. And they don't even believe in God. But God would soften our hearts. Wouldn't he? Would he do that for you? God, soften my heart. Pray that prayer. God, help me to have a heart for this family who, who doesn't love you, doesn't believe in you, but yet talks about you quite a bit, and it's quite, uh, it, it's offensive, and it's hurtful. Help me to not respond in the wrong way, but give me a heart that is soft for those that hate you because even the Ninevites who hated God and God's people, God loved them and sent a prophet to preach the, the message to them. And God softened their hearts. Sometimes the people that are the toughest to, we think they're the toughest nut to crack, they'll never get saved. Do you understand that why sometimes people are just so angry? It's because they're under conviction. Think about that. Why, why is it that some people are, uh, are, are, are just uh, raging against God? Why are some people just so angry and bitter? It's, be, it's not because God isn't speaking to them, I believe. I think it's because the Holy Spirit is at work in their life. And He's at work in this world, isn't He? And He's convincing the world, convicting the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He's pointing out their sin. And when, when, when the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, do we feel a little bit uncomfortable at times? You know what we call that? That's called conviction. And we get under conviction. And we say, wow, you know, I, I don't really like that. And I know there's some people that come to our church and they say, Pastor, I don't like the conviction, but I sure appreciate it. We appreciate it. And that's, that's a, a person who is wise and is willing to just follow the Lord, even though it, sometimes it stings and it hurts. But it, we, we understand that it's a blessing, just like when you touch a stove that's hot. We're thankful for the nerves, the nerve endings, but at the same time, we don't really like it because it it's not very pleasant. But if you left your hand on there, if you didn't have nerve endings, you could possibly leave your hand on there and really hurt yourself. The conviction doesn't make us, uh, we don't like that. Sometimes we might want to go to a church where, you know, it's just all, uh, you know, everything's sugar-coated and everything is uh, sunshine and everything is just great and wonderful and, and nobody ever does anything wrong and everyone's perfect and everyone's just a champion and all this and that. But I understand that we have, we, we have uh, we are champions in Christ. I believe that. But what I'm saying is, I don't think that we should just go to church and say, I don't want to hear anything that's not going to uh, be feel right to me. I want to hear that conviction. I want the because that's how I know the Lord is working. Uh, as Billy Sunday, uh, the great preacher of the 1920s and 30s, 
Um, he was a baseball player in Chicago. He got saved through the Pacific Garden Mission. And God raised him up to be a great revival preacher. But one day a lady came up to Billy Sunday and said, about his preaching, he said, Billy, you're rubbing the fur of the cat the wrong way. I don't really like that, you know? And he said, well, then turn the cat around. And so when people are under conviction, they're not very uh, happy if they're, if they're not changing, if they're not growing, if they're not submitting to the Lord. And the world who is lost and going to hell and has believed the lies, as the Bible says, as Paul said, that their hearts are blinded by the God of this world. And uh, lest the light of the glorious gospel shine into their hearts and they would get saved. Well, they're, they're just so upset and angry. And, and, uh, and uh, so when you go to your family this uh, next few uh, months here, the last couple months of the year, and you spend time with them, ask God, give me a heart for them. Help me to love them in spite of what they're doing, in spite of how they're living and uh, in spite of how they're talking, God, help me to have a heart that loves them and cares for them and cares enough to tell them about Jesus. God needs to give us wisdom, right? We can't just go in there and just, you know, uh, have an altar call and just uh, start, you know, ripping face, uh, you know, when people are there at Thanksgiving. And, you know, they're not going to let you come back to Thanksgiving. We need wisdom. Wisdom. Uh, you know, you might say, well, that's the right thing to do. I just need to go there and tell them the truth on varnish. No, you know, you're not going to get anywhere like that. Don't soft, soft sell the gospel. Don't try to water it down. Don't try to water it down. They still need surgery, amen? But sometimes we need to do it in the right way. We need to uh, be careful as to how we do things. And my friend, if you have not prayed for your family, you should not witness to your family. You say, well, well the Bible says we're supposed to go and, and we're supposed to uh, preach the gospel. Where, where, where was the early church before the day of Pentecost? They were in the upper room praying. But we need the power of the Holy Ghost. We can't just go in there, uh, you know, and, and not really prayed up and ready to witness and ready to, to speak the truth. We have to have the Holy Spirit. And so go in there prayed up, ready to go. Whoever it is that God is calling you to talk to, maybe it's your family or maybe it's the neighbor right next door. I'm blessed because I've got some good neighbors. I actually only have one right next door to us because of how our house is. But our next door neighbor um, is a blessing to us. But you know, you probably have had this experience where maybe it's a next door neighbor or somebody on your block is just, just a, a real pill. And you just, you just uh, you know, try to avoid them. You try not to, uh, you know, get on their bad side. You know, try not to cause problems. But you have been convicted by the Holy Spirit to go and preach the gospel. And maybe there was a time where there was a divine appointment and God said, preach the gospel, and you did. But you, my friend, this morning, if you're not willing to do it, you need to get your heart right with the Lord. If you're willing to go... Half the battle has been fought. Because God says, I just need a willing Christian. If somebody would just preach the gospel or be willing to go, then I could do something on your block. 
Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's your workplace. You could, you could go down the list, school, work, or wherever it is. Wherever God has called you in this city, you might say, well, I'll go to anyone in the city, but I'm not going to go to that side of town. You know, that side of town is dangerous. Well, it might be, but use wisdom. But they still need the gospel. Wherever we go, they need the gospel. You can't just cut out sections of our community and say, well, somebody else will get to them. Maybe you and I are the somebody else that's supposed to go to them. And I said, well, I'm going to wait till somebody uh, who is more relatable, somebody that could do a better job. And I understand that wisdom. I'll be honest with you. Uh, people ask us all the time, do you have a Reformers Unanimous? Do you have an addictions program? And I say, no, I wish we had somebody that uh, God needs to raise somebody up to do that. But I've even said, I'm not really probably the one to do it because I've never been on drugs. I've never, I've never taken a drink of alcohol. I've never had that experience. But you know, maybe that's just an excuse. But I'll be honest with you. If God, if God were to say to me, you need to do Reformers Unanimous, you need to have an addictions program, and you're the one that needs to do it, I'll be willing to do it. I'm already, I'm already surrendered to that, and I hope that you would be surrendered. Whatever it is that God were to say, you need to do this. You're the one that's supposed to do it. Surrender to it. Don't just wait till somebody else. Uh, don't wait for other people. You need to be willing to do what God has called you to do. I surrender to the Lord. When we try to run from God who is everywhere, even when you're running away from Him, you're sure to run into Him. Let's pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Let's stand to our feet. Don't run from God. It might be fun in the time, in the meantime, as the Bible says about Moses, that he understood that there was pleasure in sin, but it was only for a season. Just remember about that return trip. The return trip is more uncomfortable than we want it to be. Not because God doesn't love us, but because it's just the circumstance that we put ourselves into. Are you surrendered this morning? Are you surrendered? Can you truly sing that song from your heart? All to Jesus I surrender. I surrender all. Don't Learn the hard way. Something I was told many times growing up. Don't have, you don't have to learn the hard way. I think I was one of those ones that just had to learn the hard way. But I'm going to tell you right now, don't run from God. So learning the hard way is, is uh, sometimes very sorrowful. Father, I pray that you would help us this morning to surrender it all to you, give it all to you, turn it all over to you. Whatever uh, area that we are maybe keeping to ourselves, we say this is mine and everything else you can have, God, but this is mine. Lord, help us to let go, to, to let you have that area, to stop putting roadblocks. Our unbelief many times puts roadblocks in the way of progress. To realize that you will equip us if you call us. And sometimes it's in the process of us doing your will. It's not that we are equipped before we go. Sometimes we are equipped as we go. Because that's where faith, uh, many times faith is required in these things. So Lord, help us to 
to just put our trust into you today. That we might see your mighty hand working in our presence, in this community, in this church. That you would be glorified. Help us to realize that the safest place to be is in the middle of your will. Help us not to rationalize and become pragmatic and say all kinds of things that are not true even. They just feel right. Help us to do what is right. Jesus, we thank you for, your, for the salvation that you brought to this world. That there is a possibility that all men can repent and be saved. We thank you for the salvation that was brought to our house, to our life. We thank you that we know that our sins can be forgiven and that they are forgiven by God and that we have a home in heaven. Father, I pray that you would bring through the Holy Spirit's power the conviction that's needed this morning. We would see, see some good decisions made today. Pray for the lost, convicting them of sin, righteousness, and judgment. I pray that they would come to you to be saved. 